Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Hello there. How are you today? <clears throat> Sorry, I was using my uh, car insurance voice. I, I try to be both sexy and evil while trying to get discounts. But welcome back. Episode 4, Falling Forward with Dan Lassac. That That's me. Um, you've made it this far. The response has been crazy. I... I'm going to say it every week for the rest of my life, probably. But still blown away by it. Don't really understand why you're listening. But uh, I'm glad you are. This week's guest is BBC Six Music's Matt Everett. A host, a documentary maker, podcaster. All sorts of shenanigans. Basically, he talks shit about music for a living. So clearly I wanted his perspective on that creative process especially as he's been in successful bands himself. Someone on both sides of that creative coin, if you know what I mean. He's a delightful human, though. Most of the people at Six Music are good people. And, uh, yeah, it's here. You can listen to it. Unedited, you know, swears. There's even swears in there and everything. I should really stop ad-libbing these intros. It's getting beyond a joke now. You don't really need me rambling for six minutes before we get to the main event of rambling. But I guess I should get the plugs in. Don't forget to like the podcast, rate it, all those things. Hit the subscribe button, all that shenanigans. Quick note to the Patreon. Thank you again. There's more of you this week than there were last week. And there's more last week than there were the week before. So it's going in the right direction. You all help fund this and I'm genuinely grateful for that. Anyone else who's interested in the Patreon is patreon.com forward slash Dan Lassac. Just chuck us a dollary do if you enjoy the podcast and fancy me recording some more of them. So my sweet little Poddington Bears to the main event. Wait, is Poddington Bears the Adam Buxton one? I think it is. Just, just don't tell him I stole it if it is his. If it isn't his, let me know so I can keep it for myself. Trademark that shit. What's I saying? Oh yeah, let the talking commence. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. 
So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com achieve today. My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe came along and changed everything. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. Now I can accept in-person, contactless payments right from my iPhone. No extra hardware required. What's truly remarkable is how I can cater to all of my customers' payment preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe ensure a smooth checkout experience every time. And it's not just me. Stripe helps businesses of all sizes, from local markets to global retailers, scale quickly and stay agile. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. Now we're recording. Now we're recording. Yeah, they are. It's a great better kit. Use it for Wonders of modern technology. Yeah, yeah. Like... even the BBC, who are normally very stick in the mud about new gear, mm. kind of something has to come out and sort of exist. Yeah, like looking around this this room we're in right now in Six Music, there's all sorts of actually really quite high end microphones. Yeah, there there is this sort of BBC thing. It's BBC things sound a certain way, and some of it's because it's very old equipment that probably got made in Russia with valves. Yeah, about yeah. hundred years ago, <laughs> but it but does sound solid. Nice. Yeah, so it's never going to break. And um, so. I was obviously doing research about you for this. <laughs> this. That's what you're meant to do, isn't it? You're meant to actually read at least at minimum the Wikipedia page. Yeah, yeah, a yeah. minimum. But then maybe a supporting article here and there. A deep dive. A deep dive. <laughs> <laughs> I can't swim. It's a nightmare. Um, but I realised that as you look at you as a human, it's really actually hard to define what you are. Because there's like phases to your career. Career, you, career, yes, career. This is you have a career. You have multiple careers. Yeah, go on. But like, how do you describe yourself when when someone says, "What do you do? Who are you? What are you?" There was. This is odd because just the other day, this is not the most exciting start to a story. I was sorting out my car insurance. I'm excited. <laughs> sorting out my car insurance. It's a nightmare. Car which insurance. is a complete, you know, uh, a hellish. Hellish scenario, and it's always quite a Kafkaesque experience. And they were like, "Well, you have to put your sort of profession down." And it was like, "Well, that I broadcaster, journalist, author, voiceover artist, um, you know, producer, content provider, uh, musician, all these things." And it was like, "I don't." It's like sort of everything that I've ever done sort of comes together. Mm. under the music banner and then they tried to charge me thousands of pounds because of the broadcaster bit because they said oh, I said if you um, well because you're a broadcaster that means if there's any uh, accident you can't work 
then the premiums could be enormous because you earn a lot of money. It's like, no, I don't. No. Also, B, you could be transporting celebrities in the car. I was like, what? what? As if I drive around with Kate Blanchett in the back of the motor. Do you not? No. All right. No, no, That was a question. That's... So, yes, yeah, so just, just, yeah, I think talking about music, mm. to, knowing about music, I used to think it was really, I went through a phase after being in bands when I was kind of really down on music. I was like, all this stuff, this information I've accumulated about who produced that can record or why this album was recorded in Berlin and who played the bass and why the conga sounds are any good. This is a fucking waste of time. <laughs> I'm wasting my life. I can never get a proper job. I've been a drummer in shit bands and I'm now adrift. I don't know what to do with it. Turns out all that information is actually quite useful because mm. then you can talk about it and understand music in a wider context, I think. Wanging on about music is your answer. Yeah, that's your. That is, <laughs> I, I just wang on about music. It doesn't matter where. I'm just wanging yeah. on. But like you bring up uh, being in shit bands, like you've described menswear as a third-rate Britpop band. Yeah, and obviously you were in Reading's Montrose Avenue. I was, yeah. So obviously living in Reading yeah. for the last twenty years. That's important <laughs> to me personally. It's, it's a funny band, Montrose Avenue, because like I was in, I was in the band that weren't very good. Uh, uh, but did okay, did, did quite well. Did for really a bit. well. Like, was and another band who I thought was really, really good, but then didn't do very al- a, a very good album and realised that potential, and then kind of disappeared. And mm. it was like that's. I, sometimes I get a little bit when I think about it. It's like that's a real pity. We had a fun game at uh, Reading HMV um, where I worked for a time of anyone who asked for Madison Avenue's record, <laughs> giving them your record giving them the Montrose Avenue and decide, seeing how long if it would take them <laughs> to bring to it back. Mm. Just like, hang on, I thought these guys were dancing. This is interesting. Sort of West Coast harmony. Yeah, but there's... The little bit of me that, that's a fantasist still believes that one day, like, that band will be Someone. discovered. And I, like, I remember having Chris Martin come up to me once, who I don't know, uh, and saying, oh, you know, that's a great band. And you're like, oh, thanks. <laughs> can you tell everyone? Can you actually? Can you tell everyone? Know? But I guess, yeah, it's funny that wasted potential, isn't it? But I guess it's really common. I bet there's thousands of people who think, "Oh, that band I was in, that never made it." Had our paths been different, or we'd not been dickheads at that point, or worked with these people, maybe that potential could have been realised. That's mm. that's a shame, I think. But although it's a shame of, from the the life of of Matt Everett. It, um, <laughs> It also gives you a perspective on your job. Now, when you're yeah. talking to a new band, may, do you feel like you understand the importance of... You were a creator, you are now a curator, mm. uh, essentially, but of bands getting heard, of, of giving bands the opportunity to be discovered. Yeah, I, 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 it's, <clears throat> I think what I'm most proud of doing is doing those interviews with those with with the big musicians mm. I've done like the first time series in the book that's just come out the, the first the time yeah. is the one with um, York and Kate Bush and yeah 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 um, it's, we talk about the first significant first in someone's life first record they bought first gig they went to blah 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 and we've done like Elton John and Paul Simon and Dave Grohl and all of Radiohead and Sinead O'Connor and like all these amazing people and Khalees well, all of Radiohead even Selway every single one of Radiohead even Selway even Selway wow and um all of Pink Floyd and like and like these astonishing people and that's kind of what I'm most proud of and I think because I was a, I was a musician 
and did that, there is, you understand, it's not just about new bands getting out, I think it's, you know what it's like being in a, in a Scratchford service station, you know, in between gigs where nobody, nobody cares. Yeah. Because everyone's done that. Yeah. Everybody, even if you're David Gilmore and you're playing in Pompeii, at some point you're in a shitty Bedford van driving between Peterborough and Bath or whatever yeah. to go and do another gig when no one cares. And everyone's got that. And I think people sometimes forget that most musicians have that, no matter how otherworldly they are. They had they lived in terrible flats and mm. you know stayed in rubbish B and Bs and ate crisps for lunch on tour because that's all there was. Everyone's like that. I think that perspective and that understanding, you know, helps. I think you. Uh, I think people forget like when a band steps on stage, they think oh they're getting paid for that, for that bit of being on stage, and it it really isn't. You're getting paid for having to shower at South Mims <laughs> service station. Ah, South Mims. Classic South yeah. Mims. The showers are okay, <laughs> to be fair. Depends who's been in there before you. But I th- I've always thought of it that way, that if, if you were getting 100 quid to five grand for a gig, you're getting paid for everything other than the gig. Yeah. But, you know. Well, th- this is in- interesting because before this, you were talking about the work that you're doing, making scores and music mm-hmm. for film stuff. And in fact, Scott, the singer, one of the singers in Montrose Avenue, is now does a lot of music for adverts and scores and stuff as well. And we were talking about this idea of, um, hey, we only need to do the music for this 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 BMW advert. We want to kind of, can you send us like a taster because we might want to use you. You know, we just want like a minute and a half of of of, of music. How long will it take? And Scott, will go, oh, probably take about a day, a day and a half, depending if you want arrangements and stuff. Oh, great. Okay, uh, how much is it? Well, you know, it's. We're not going to pay you for this because it's only like a day. But if you get it, it could be like 35 grand. And he's like, well, no, because I'm working for you. Yeah, but it's just a day and a half. And Scott's thing, which I think about, like you're saying, no, it's not a day and a half. It's my whole life and all the skills I've acquired to mean it only takes a day and a half. You're paying for all of my life and my my knowledge to do it quickly. Mm. So it's not the hours. You're paying for everything. You're paying for the fact that I know that or instantly that string arrangement will work and that one won't. So I know that. And I know that because I've been doing this for 30 years. Yeah. So that's what you're paying for. And it's like, yeah, there's, there's, you're right. It's not just that performance. It's everything. It's, it's South Mims. It's South Mims. <laughs> everything comes back to Mims. <laughs> South basically. Mims, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> kind of, uh, that kind of leads me into this. Uh, we, we're in a culture of free content now. Obviously, mm. in, a, in a weird sense, the BBC is free content. I know we pay for it. But the payment for the BBC and actually is it's detached. It you, lives in a different part of your brain, yeah, doesn't it? You I have know, a direct debit. Yeah. I don't ever think about the fact that I pay for the BBC. We don't have a subscription to the BBC, do we? Well, we do, well, but you don't of. think about it like no, that, do you? Yeah. You just think it's a licence fee. But obviously now with, with new media, with uh, the internet coming on and y- content being held and content as valuable in one hand, but then... You've got YouTube creators out there making decent content and some awful content um, <laughs> for absolutely nothing. How does that um, does that have an effect on the way you approach what you do now? Because obviously you're competing with people who are completely unregulated, completely couldn't say yeah, and do whatever they want. That's interesting, that isn't it? Because I mean, I because I do. There's the BBC stuff and the shows for the BBC, and I also make, you know, and produce 
podcasts and mm-hmm. audio content and stuff for, for other clients, other people. So I kind of, I'm there on both sides. I, it's it's very interesting question though. I don't know. It's because you did the Rolling Stone podcast. Yeah, we did Rolling Stone's podcast, and we done Sean's. And we done Sean's. Well. We make sh- shows for Spotify and uh, and Jesse Ware's podcast. Mm-hmm. We my company developed that and did the first couple of series with her. Um, he seemed yeah. I there's no you can't fake experience. Mm. I think hopefully what what people like me are able to do is go when I've I've done all this stuff so when I talk about something I'm bringing experience um, but then again I'm not going to have that uh, fuck it that sort of it doesn't matter mm. attitude when it comes to making content that other younger I, I people suppose, do yeah, the, the, and that's really vital isn't it even though the internet is forever there is a certain element of well just throw this into the world and it's done you know the next thing will be better it doesn't maybe maybe the quality control that's sort of enforced on you yeah, there's, there, there, there are certain editorial guidelines that the BBC has to adhere to, which I don't even think people are particularly aware of. Mm. People are always, oh, the BBC's biased. It's not. It spends an absolute fortune literally studying yeah. word, literally studying word by word on news reports to make sure and, there's balance. And we take that for granted. I'm, I, I, I believe in the BBC a lot. I do. It's, it's a funny thing with that, the BBC is a biased thing, because it you can't, the BBC is massive. It, it creates so much varied content on mm. so many different platforms that I think that BBC bias thing is thrown at the the news wing of it. The Today Show. The Today the Show. The proper news. But the, when it comes down to it, the if the BBC is biased, it's biased in every direction. You'll have uh, you'll have an arts program that might be a bit lefty. And yeah. then you may have a, a, a news program that swings a little bit more towards the government um, in its representation, but that's not a deliberate thing. That's culture. It's yeah, very yeah. hard to have. Imagine a, a music review that was completely objective. <laughs> it would be this. I don't like this, but I believe it's been well played. Yes, uh, the they are musicians. <laughs> they have a drummer. <laughs> Um, you know, it would just yeah. be a description without any any, uh, any lens. Colour. Yeah, you, yeah. You, you need, you know, we, you need some way of understanding what's going on in the world because there's too much, mm. and it's not about filtering. It's about it's about context. It's about here is a thing. Why is this thing important? Because of these things. What does this thing mean? What might it mean in the future? How does it relate to things that happened in the past? What have we learnt about it when it happened before? Mm. That's the BBC is very very good at that. And it is, it's the, the uh, I think, particularly with the news, you have to remember that the news is, has more akin to EastEnders than it does a three-minute pop song, in the sense that EastEnders is an ongoing story for the last yeah. however many years. Get so my pub. if you turn it on now and you look at <laughs> Dot Cotton, it, it's kind of, who's this woman? You know, what's she doing? But she she has this huge backstory yeah. and Europe, say, if we wanted to talk about Brexit, which no, no, nobody does. To, but that's got like a fifty year backstory. Yeah. And and then the news the whoever's presenting the news that day has ninety seconds to yeah, talk about this about one s- issue that has fifty years of history. Yeah. It that's that's very, very difficult. <clears throat> I mean but with music it's easier. Because you can go like, oh, here's this track. This track sounds like this because of that. Mm. Because of that, and they're listening to that, and they're listening to that. You know, so that's that's 
endlessly you know endlessly fascinating to me to put things in that in that context why is it important you know it's funny isn't it it's this obsession with fucking music it is and it's permanent it, yeah it, like it, this isn't you like, know this it's when you we you know at, at some point as a kid you hear something on the radio mm. and then you kind of you, it's got you forever yeah you always care about it for me weirdly for me it was uh there was an advert i think it might have even been for milk but uh it was squeeze was it squeeze call call for cats call for cats yeah, yeah. and that, that just one of those a thing and then uh i remember i was only 12 13 or something and then i asked for the squeeze greatest hits and that year i got the squeeze greatest hits and the mc hammer album for christmas and it was just like this moment that my brain opened up to it, but in both directions, into yeah. the the more... Beaty. Yeah, yeah. But that led to Joy Division on one hand, but then it led to Kylie on the other, and um, we're infinitely lucky to have this medium that exists forever as well. This, this is just this ever-growing mass of beautiful human emotion. Yeah. Yet we're not stopping adding to the pile. There's no yeah. point at which... I, I don't believe there's going to be a point where music gets... <laughs> Music's replaced. finished. Music's done. We've Hang on. And music's, we, 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 we've done we've, music now. On to something else. Yeah, we've completely... I feel that way about football, though, because I don't like football. Um... I don't. I. I don't know if you're. If you're like. I'm, I don't follow. If, football. If I just. I, I'd really like someone to win football. Mm. I'd really like someone to basically. All time. Everybody. Oh my God. Everybody plays. Everyone plays. <laughs> everybody has a game with each other, and this could take years. Yeah. So everyone's play with everybody else, and then someone wins. And someone is the best football, and then we can just fucking stop, <laughs> because it bothers. Me. Anyway, coming. The weird thing, talking about music. Because uh, I was just on the phone to someone who, want, who wants to do an interview about uh, how young kids are recognise older music more than they do modern music. Kids are listening to something new and going, but they remember if it's a sixty song or a seventy song, it goes into their brain more weirdly. And I've got a friend who's got a daughter who's she's about twelve now, and uh, he works at a big streaming company. Mm-hmm. And the big streaming, the company. big streaming company. We can say Spotify. And um, I was like, oh, it, it's, this is it. They just, kids, they just want music on demand. That, that's cool. That's just the way they think of it. He's going, yeah, but that's, that's stopping now with his daughter. He says, actually, she's going back to the radio because she wants, she doesn't want to know what's next. Mm. She likes that little, oh, yeah. this is what they've chosen to play. I know it or I don't. That doesn't matter, but I didn't know. And also, she's thrilled by the idea that something's happening now somewhere else. So the idea that... There's a live performance or someone in a room who's going chat, 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 chat. And that's not happening pre-recorded or on demand. It's happening right now. That to her is a mind-blowing <laughs> fucking thing. And for us, it's like, well, that's, that's, that's radio. Yeah. But that is a really new thing that she's relishing. Isn't that mad? Uh, yeah, it's like it's something very natural to us yeah. to think of that. But what, what like tuning into John Peel as a kid, like thinking... That man's just sitting somewhere, and you imagine him in a dark room somewhere in London. It probably wasn't that dark, and uh, he he chose to put that needle on that record yeah. at that moment. And I'm trying to do my French homework, and uh, this is all very familiar. And 
like you're connected some way and and vicari vicariously is probably the wrong word but connected through that man into that band yeah. that he chose to play whether it be the fall or uh, throbbing gristle or the Burundi drummers or whatever yeah, yeah. and yeah. you know everyone else is listening to that at the same time and that's a lovely thing uh, we went we went as part of the six minute thing we went to his house went to his studio mm. uh, not far from Norwich if I remember correctly and um, we went to do an interview with Brian Eno and so we went to John Peel's house I think with, with Brian Eno <laughs> which was insane because we saw where John Peel used to sit and the record player used to put records on and where he used to talk and saw his record collection which is vast mm. as you would imagine there's like oh because did he so did he broadcast from home yeah, yeah, oh, I, yeah. See, yeah. I mean yeah. early on I think it was in places but, but, but certainly for the vast last part of his life it was at home and he had like his, his immediate record collection, which is stuff he wanted to hand. Mm. It was about five corridors. And then everything else was like in an outhouse. Yeah. Um, and Eno just sort of came and picked lots of music to play, which was one of the most amazing things mm. ever. Because he was like, you, you expected him to pick really weird stuff. And a lot of the stuff he picked was yeah. quite conventional till you listened to it and you realised it was actually quite odd. Mm. Uh, and he's told a story about... How I, um, I think it was the first, was it his first solo record? And um, he <laughs> he got it and, he, uh, and, he, and he'd sent the master tape to the BBC to uh, play on Peel's show. Mm. Peel had said, oh, I'll, I'll play the whole of the album. I'll do the whole album in full for you, which is a lovely thing anyway. Um, and so Eno had sent this tape down to the BBC. And because of the way that he recorded it, I think he'd recorded it like spooled left to right, but the BBC machines played right yeah, to left. Right. So the whole record, took, John Peel played the whole record out, but backwards, backwards. without knowing. <laughs> and Eno was saying, like, <coughs> he's very obviously very intense. So the wonderful thing about that is that that became the album. The album wasn't the one I did that way around. The mm. album was now that. <laughs> that was the record. And that is the record. As far as I'm concerned, that's, that, the, record. that's the record. The record I made was purely the thing that happened before it got played backwards. Isn't that great? That's awesome. <laughs> it's uh, it's that a strange thing of uh, accepting that there are outside influences on the things you create mm. as well. And uh, I've always found that fascinating. Like, there are very few art forms that are so aware of their audience. Yeah, you know? yeah. And at times that's good, and at times that's bad. Obviously, if you've had some success, trying to follow that success is a nightmare. Um, but we, I don't know, you, you obviously talking about that phone call before, and uh, you mentioned um, that idea, oh, music's not as good as it used to be. Yeah. That's not you saying yeah. that, that was you doing a voice and such. Yeah, yeah. But I, I definitely think that when I'm nearly 40 now, and I think that the reason why I sometimes don't realise that music is as good as it used to be is because I've just had so much of it. It's like cake. I've been eating carrot, carrot cake every day for the yeah. last 30 years. And at this point, carrot cake is just sustenance. It's no longer carrot cake. <laughs> you know? And I think maybe that's it. Like you, the, it just, the more you hear averages of... Your chances of being surprised have been diminished. This year, I, I'm, um, I'm, I'm aware of, of a couple of things in, in, in my sort of music absorption. One is uh, 
I, I, I am, but I try not to be one of those white, middle-aged, middle-class men going on about music, which mm-hmm. is unfortunate because that's what I do that's for a living. <laughs> and so I, I, I try and really not go down those uh, Joy Division. Because mm-hmm. it's like, well, we, we know that. We know, we know that stuff. And I mentioned Can. It's like, but it's all, we kind of know those stories so familiar. And I don't feel like I'm pushing myself mm. if I just go down those rabbit holes of listening anymore so I try to listen to stuff that maybe I don't like or will surprise me but the other thing I do is I'll, I'll get really into one artist you do this when you you're like you just get obsessive about what well, I'll just listen to Steely Dan for two months and I'll just do it which is quite that's a quite a you know I, sorry you just like anecdotally unrelated mm. uh, when I worked in in HMV um, there was a, a lad called Dan. He was very, very overweight. <laughs> he was a very overweight man. He used to eat Ginster's pasties in the toilet. He would go lock himself in the toilet, eat oh, two pasties. Dan! I know. Well, but um, he got fired for stealing. So obviously, <laughs> steely Dan. <laughs> but, and for like years, years, like I'd walk past him in the street and I couldn't not say under my breath, steely Dan. <laughs> steely Dan. I was, oh my! I love those, the nicknames that really work. Uh, a guy I, I I used to work with called David, um, who was outrageously camp, beautiful man, and he was just known as Camp David. Mm. And like that was just now, I can't see a report on the American sort of yeah. government without just fondly thinking, Camp David. It's just a really oh those nicknames. <coughs> Oh, I feel like God. I need to go find a David who's camp, just so <laughs> just, I can then feel the same thing. Just there must be a David just become that. out there. I've I've got a friend called whose nickname is is well he's he's called Famous Famous Tony, and is he famous? Well, this this is the point. So we were is it Tony Robinson? No, he's not famous. It's it's a great nickname for two reasons. One, he's he's a drummer amongst other things, and he's always. He's always been in bands after the bands have been famous. <laughs> so, like, he's a drummer, and uh, like, like he, he drums. He's a great drummer, and has played with like the Wonder Stuff and Pop Will Eat Itself and Jesus mm-hmm. Jones. But only after he's the guy after. After, and also we were out once with some friends, and we were chatting to these lads who were next to us. I'm enjoying the gig, da 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 da. And they were like, "Oh my god!" And they started telling this story about this guy who was arrested. Out the back, we were in the Astoria, out the back of the Astoria the previous night, going, Oh my God, yeah, this poor guy got arrested. He was snogging his girlfriend. And the police thought um, his girlfriend was soliciting him. <laughs> and they were just having a snog. And all of a sudden, there was flashlights going on. And uh, like, police, you know, yanked him off his missus and stuff. And my friend Tony was like, Yeah, that was me. <laughs> that happened to me yesterday. You're telling me a story about me. About me. We're like, It's famous. It's famous, Tony. <laughs> but yeah, ah. Uh, have you had, have you had, I mean, nicknames, have you had any particularly, because you can't choose them. My obviously. name is a nickname. What, Dan? Dan Lassac <laughs> is a nickname. But yeah, but. So, like, but that comes from, so as a child, uh, I had a hernia, so I, I had a big testicle. And uh, it actually, I had two operations. The one was a hydroseal repair, which didn't work. Isn't that a boat that sort of goes up on fins? I think so, yeah. <laughs> I was definitely going fast. Um, and the other was a hernia operation. So my brothers, obviously, I was sack boy, jabber the sack. Yeah, yeah, of course, yeah. And, uh, Thanks, just, guys. And it was one of those things that I, I used to DJ like breakcore under the name Sack Boy. It's like, ah, oh, yeah, that's brilliant, though, Dan. <laughs> that's brilliant. You're clever. And uh, I only changed it to Dan the Sack because both my mum and my girlfriend were at the time were offended. <laughs> 
by this idea that I was going to start a music career as sack boy. It's, it's about your nuts, Dan. <laughs> like, yeah, I know. It's about your nuts, though. I had, I, I, go on to No, no, yeah. I was going to say, I had, um, when was this? I would have been talking about hernias. I, I would have been about 30, I think. And uh, I remember I just moved into a flat and I was getting this agonizing pain in my in my sort of torso and there was I'd noticed this real sort of mm. protuberance of the thing and I was like oh this is this is fucking agony I think I think I have to go to the doctor and the doctor looked at this and just mm. went it looks like you've got a hernia and I was like oh he says it's quite common in you know it's it's nothing to worry about but you know it can be quite difficult and actually mm. in guys it's quite common in 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 in, in men around your age so uh, but we'll send you to a specialist so I went to the Another doctor he referred to who sort of felt this pointy mm. out. Looked like a shark nose on my tummy. So stomach. Yeah. yeah. Obviously mine were a little lower. And this a little bit lower. And uh, and this other doctor said, yeah, it, 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 it does look like you've got a hernia. We're going to have to send you for an ultrasound scan. And so I went to the hospital and did the thing where you put the gown on and mm -hmm. you're waiting in the corridor with all these pregnant women yeah. to like have your ultrasound scan and your hernia going there, all the baby <laughs> people. And eventually you come through and I sat there, it's a very nice doctor lifted up the gown and put the jelly stuff on the tummy and had a little video screen where he would, you know, mm. go through and you could see his stomach. So he's sort of looking at this and he's putting the, the reader across my stomach. He's going, okay, well, that bit there, that's, you can see that's, that's fat there. If we go across to the protuberance, you can see that's, that's fat and that's, and that's, just got fat. <laughs> like, what? He said, how old are you? I said, 30. He said, do you, do you drink? Lager and, and, and eat food. Yeah, a lot, lot of it. <laughs> Do you exercise? No. no. You've got a bit fat. What about the pain? He said, well, what were you doing? I just moved house. He said, were you carrying lots of boxes? <laughs> he was like, yeah, I was. <laughs> you, you've just, you've, you've did, you did some exercise and you're getting fat. <laughs> and I, I don't even think, because I remember, I remember calling my dad on the way to the hospital going, oh, it's going to be keel surgery. Oh. I think, dad, can you, can you pay for this? Because if it's urgent, I'm going to have to go. Private dad, can you pay? He's like, oh, I'm sure we can find some way of getting it done, son. Don't you worry. I'll be there for you. And I didn't tell him for years. Oh, no. What, what actually happened to that? Oh, it went away, dad. Just, just went away. Just went away, but fine. yeah. It was fine. Not earlier. Just got fat. I'm just, just overweight. <laughs> um, I, we, dige we, we digress. We digress. Which is fine. Which is which fine. Is the point. It's, I've actually, like, <laughs> people listening to this will have heard some of this before, but... I don't know what this podcast is. No. I just, the only thing I know is I want to talk to people who created things. That's the only thing that's yeah. fixed in my mind. But um, I do definitely think the digressions are the more <laughs> interesting thing yeah. so far. Yeah. I did one with a 8-bit um, chiptune artist who makes game stuff the other day. And the first 10 minutes, to me and her... Are gold. It's us two, like <laughs> super technical. Oh yeah. Oh. But I, my my girlfriend heard it and uh, she's like, yeah. After the first ten minutes, it gets good. She's like, it's that quite, bit it's of quite stuff, boring. You you do. It's just so dull. I was like, oh. But when you digress and I don't know. I think conversation, which is your job. Yeah. You know, obviously you create documentaries and do do more than that. But conversation is for me the only way I learn anything. Like yeah. I think that conversation has this ability to help you form your own understanding of the world. Yeah, it's it, it's great to have your opinion changed. <coughs> yeah, it really. I mean, I'd really, 
in, enjoy being having a different opinion on on something. I think it's really important. There's that lovely interview with George Harrison in his later career when the sort of journalist is sort of talking about the early Beatles and like how he's changed, and he's like, "That's that's the whole point of I'm I'm not that man I was in the yeah. top. That's the point of life is to not be the same as you were, you know, mm. a year a week." A day before that's and, they, and you can see the the interview is a little bit puzzled it's like that's that's life yeah is to keep changing your opinion and i i think yeah that's that's why music's good because you can you can totally shift how you think about music and i think yeah it's 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 important to do that i think we could all embrace a bit more of that especially at the moment fucking hell i i do like it when your opinion of something doesn't change though occasionally like oh go on nine inch nails lyrics <laughs> you know what I still think they're brilliant I still go back to them and I hear them and I know they're like even, no matter how old Trent Reznor gets he still writes cringy sex lyrics by 14 yeah. year olds and I love them I can't and, and it never makes me uncomfortable even though <laughs> you know I want to be inside you <laughs> sort of stuff Razor <laughs> he's really like, we, we did a first time show with him and he's in I'm going to mention it again he's in the first time book uh, and he's really funny. Mm. I mean, he is a really fucking intimidating guy. Mm. He has like, uh, like said, arms are like parking Volkswagen Beetles. Yeah. He's, a, he's a big, he's a big presence. But he's pretty funny, and he does sort of carry that, the weight of being Trent. Yeah. You know, is, is there? But yeah, he can. I think that yeah, there we go. Coming back to what we were saying before about because a lot of the time I just think musicians that I, I I don't really buy into the. Um, into the mythology of most musicians, mm. so I don't. I used to get nervous, but now I, I just said, it doesn't matter if I, you know. Well, the, the first take time the Mickey a little bit. It doesn't matter. Some intimidating names on that list yeah. of people you've talked to. Yet that must, in a, in a way, make it easier. Goes all oh, oh, okay. I'm well. I'm talking to Tom York this week, but I had Jimmy Page or you know, Robert Plant or whoever. One of them. You've done both, one of them. Yeah, yeah, both of them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah done, done. But like, uh, well, that guy's huge. This Tom York fellas, no one in it, comparison. To, to, I was, I was nervous about doing Tom because I just know he's smart and he doesn't do many interviews mm. and doesn't really want to, which is fine. Um, so you just want to make it. You want you. It's, you're always trying to be someone's friend in the space of an hour, very quickly. Yeah. You want to jump to the point where they feel relaxed and happy. And there's really there's lots. I love that bit. It's not the interview joust. It's like, how am I going to get in there mm. with, with you? How are we going to have a chat that's interesting? That's not me asking you the same questions. And there's all these minutiae of interview techniques that you can do to kind of get people to do that. And that's the stuff I find really interesting. So, Telling them, well, I mean, I mean even here's, um, I used, to, I don't this this much anymore. But one thing most famous musicians have got in common is they they may have all done drugs and they're not done drugs, and some drink and some don't, and some like this and some like aren't, some don't. But nearly all of them like going to restaurants, okay. like going to expensive restaurants because if you could do that all the time, you, you would, would do that all the time. Yeah. Be you vegan or not. So before an interview starts, if it's someone pretty big, I would say like, oh, where have you been eating in London or wherever we are? And that will start a conversation, guaranteed, mm. because they're not talking about music or the new record. You're expressing an interest in something they care about that's nothing to do with how they're known. And it's again, it's shared. Like everyone yeah. has eaten food. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then, you know, 
if you've got Michael Stipe recommending you sushi places to go to in New York, and then when he the doesn't inter- re- recommend Greg, uh, <laughs> I, I don't know. I just thought Sky- Nando's. 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 Snipe. Skype. Uh, Stipe. Stipe. Was was Greg's man? Michael Stipe. M- Michael Skype. That's a feature <laughs> idea. That is. Um, and then and then when the interview starts, they're already thinking, <coughs> oh. We have some shared this, yeah, thing here. This is a nice person. He's not trying to get some secret thing out of exactly. me. Exactly. And, and take take the piss out of people. I, I really... It Ta- was... Absolutely. Take the mickey out of... Um, I th- What was it with Tom? We were talking about uh, No Surprises. And he was saying about like how... Obviously, it's, a very, it's, it's become one of your big tunes. Mm. It's a big, you know, which is odd considering what it's about. It's your free bird. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and he was like, well, I haven't thought about it like that, mm-hmm. but yeah. So you can you can say, I mean, no surprises, it's a staggeringly beautiful piece mm. of art, but I can take the piss out of it, and you can take the piss out of it. And I think the musician would rather have that than, so, I mean, obviously the imagery of that conjures up a post-dystopian personal crisis. It's like, they don't... So the, yeah, this thing, I've always liked an interview that gets to the knob of, uh, the the core of who the person is rather than who the art yeah, what the art exactly is. because it's the same thing and it, but the art is subjective as well mm. I don't want the interviewer talking about something I I love as a listener and getting it wrong <laughs> even though they're probably getting it right but in my in my brain in my opinion if me and you stand in front of a, a Rothko painting we're going to get different things yeah. from it and I don't want the interviewer highlighting that. I'm incorrect. <laughs> so <laughs> I'd rather yeah. him talk and, and find out that Rothko, I don't know, yeah. was, was into smooth jazz. <laughs> and let's hear about Rothko's love of smooth jazz while he paints. I don't know if he liked, I don't know why I picked Rothko either. But you know what I mean? Like that, I, I think you have this opportunity to find out who someone is. Yeah. And if you're not taking that opportunity, it seems... Seems like a waste. It's a waste, yeah. It, it, it's I don't. Know, I always in in my mind a little bit of me thinks, oh, maybe I made friends with them during that interview, and I, that happens so rarely, so rarely. Mm. You occasionally walk out going, that was that was great. Look, mm. if you, you remember that thing you were trying to think of, just drop me a line, and that happens sometimes, but it's enormously rare. But what you you do hope that people quite enjoy those interviews more mm. than maybe the other ones. I guess they do, or else I wouldn't get a chance to speak to them, I guess, you know. Word would get around. Word would get around, yeah. With Radiohead. obsessed with restaurants. With, with Radiohead, I interviewed Johnny first, and it was just going to be just him, and I think it was kind of like, if that went all right, then he'd tell the rest of them that I wasn't too much of a dick. And this then, is how we, um, essentially how we cleared Letter From God To Man. Um, I, John Kennedy yeah. played it. It was doing the In Rainbows... Album, great record. You know that thing yeah, yeah, yeah. when he talks to the man, but he didn't have Tom there. I don't think he had Johnny either, so it was Selway. And um, he, they had a little break, and he played them "Letter from God to Man." And after us two years of trying to get them to just hear it, got one of them or two of them to hear it, and then it happened. And then it was like, oh no, it's not shit. <laughs> I think, from what we understand, the only one of the band that doesn't like it is Tom. And it's like, that's fine. <laughs> it's all right. The fact that uh, and the rest of the band like it enough to overrule Tom felt good as well. It was like, well, it must be good. Yeah. But this is also... Three out of four radio heads. It's, like, it's also... <laughs> or like, five, two, six. On the one hand... Yeah. Uh, uh, is God, do you remember? Yeah. No. Um, 
on the one hand, you know, people, uh, they might be famous, I'll take the mickey out of them. But at the same time, I also think they're absolutely amazing. Mm. I, I find it fucking mind-blowing that I can bump into Phil Selway on the street and I'll mm -hmm. go, all right, Matt, that fucking blows my mind. Yeah, it's yeah. incredible. He's the drummer in Radiohead. So that, I, I still get that thrill from it, mm. which, I, you know, I find, I love that, that bit as well. I've st I'm still a fanboy as well. I think you have to be mm. to dedicate so much of, of of your time to it. You know, you could yeah. you could probably be working for a publisher just doing sync stuff and yep. making more money. Yes, probably. Yes, you know, because you've clearly got the ear and all the shenanigans you need for that. But you still choose to do this side over. I don't know. I, like, yeah. I suppose what, looping back to where we started, this not knowing how to describe you, what I find fascinating is the fact that you had, with with menswear... Yeah, you can't talk about menswear, it's okay. No, no, I, it's, it's not, okay. It's, I, I'm going to be honest, they, I didn't give a rat's ass about menswear when... That's fine. The only thing that I disliked about menswear was that girl I fancied really fancied Chris Gentry. A lot of people really fancied yeah. Chris Gentry. And I mean, was he was this awkward thing. He was a he, beautiful boy. Beautiful boy. Beautiful boy, you know. And they uh, they had a, had a smooch after a gig. Oh, Chris. As well, so it was a, a oh. double whammy. Oh, my God. And I think I then had to smooch her oh. not long after Gentry in my awkward 16-year-old self, oh. you know. It was just I, I remember being, when I was about... 17 uh, copy for the girl who'd snogged one of Deacon Blue and I thought that I hate I still I still want uh, I still hate Deacon Blue because of that I want Deacon <laughs> Blue and the Blue Tones to just combine to be the Deacon Blue Tones I, I feel like <laughs> I feel like there's something there that's a that's a future uh, but yeah to you had something that there's people all over right now who dream of yeah. I want to be a band that gets to tour and release records. It's amazing. It's and brilliant. then, but to then, essentially have that taken away from you to a certain extent. Not. It's hard to explain without, you know, that ended. That ended. That ended. It was awful. Yeah, it was really. I mean, when you're and it, it felt like that ended abruptly. It ended very. Well. I was. I was kicked out of the band. Mm. Um, I would have been twenty. That was horrible because. You know, if you're in a band, often it's all you've ever wanted to do. And, then and you spend a couple of years traveling the world and go to Japan and all that kind of stuff. Because the second album came out in Japan. Japan, yeah. Only. I, yeah, I'm not on that. I'd help write it, but I'm not on it. Um, and then you are. You are. So you're on it in spirit. In spirit. You're on it. Uh, it's not a bad record, actually. Um, and, then, and then all of a sudden, you're, you are literally sitting in your flat, mm. unemployed. I'm even. And again, after Montrose Avenue, when that went wrong. I worked in a video shop in Camden for mm. a year and a half, like which was really difficult <laughs> because be weird. it was the only job I thought. Well, it was just there; it was around the corner from where I lived, and so I worked in a video shop, renting videos to lots of people that lived in Camden. That mm. you know, and you're going, wow. Six months ago, I was playing at the Tokyo Garden Hall to thousands of people, mm. and now I'm earning ninety quid a week in a video shop in Camden. That was really awful really tough not you know the harder things it's not a victorian tin mine yeah but, but like it was a it was it was a very odd yeah it was a very difficult time that uh it's weird because like uh, i i need a job 
and now and again. I need to earn a little bit yeah, more. Yeah, so yeah. I do odd jobs here and there and random. I'm, you know, if I wrote a list of all the things I do. But a friend of mine runs an Apple store. And he was like, I'll, I'll give you 16 hours a week if you want, whenever you, you like. You'd be great at Apple. I'd be all right. You'd be brilliant. I'd be all right. And it's like, that'd be, that'd be stability yeah. and stuff. But like, I don't want anyone to recognize me. <laughs> it's that weird thing of like, I, did, I was never famous, famous. Yeah. Yet at the same time, I, I would never want someone to like see that. And it's like, why, why would I feel that shame? I, I had 10 years yeah. of a career, 10 years longer than a lot of people said we would have got out of that career. Um, yet then I'm, I'm scared. You know, it it was. Was there any of that sort of yeah. when you were in that record shop? Yeah, I mean, it was really good for me though because it it made me less of a dickhead. Mm. It definitely. I am less of a dick. I mean, I'm still a bit of a dick. I'm less of a dick because I was at that shop, mm. and that shop was the thing. It was like, well, I've I've got to, I've got to start doing something, and I'm not as I'm not as good a drummer to be able to wander into other bands. Because I'm, I'm just not that good. I'm okay, but I'm not. And I know session drummers who are brilliant. Like they're, they're really good. They, they, they're interested in in developing their skills. I'm not that good, so I've got to start doing something. So I'll start writing about music. Yeah, session drummers are definitely a different breed. Yeah, they're good. Well, you got really people like good. Quake and exactly. There's a yeah, guy yeah. called Timmy Ricard who blows my mind. Yeah, there's a guy called Jeff Holroyd who's who's like Bam Bam, who's just the most. You hear him, and it's mm. like his his character comes through in how he plays, and it's just brilliant. But. Um, yeah, as a, <laughs> I do remember being in that shop, and occasionally musicians would come, and you'd be like, "Yeah, hi, how are you doing? Yeah, How's it going?" But I do remember we used to have in the shop this old VHS store, a few DVDs, The Matrix, um, lots Classic. of copies of The Matrix, Classic. lots of copies of The Matrix, and um, <coughs> Tom's Crown Affair, mm. which is not a bad film. And original or the oh, the new one, the new one. Yeah, it's, it's still pretty good. And uh, there was in the far corner, there was the sort of the slightly blue section <laughs> of VHSs. Yeah. And I do remember a well a well ish known indie musician and I saw him walk in the shop and I was like, Oh God, because he's cool as well. I was like, Oh Jesus, this is gonna be really embarrassing because I think he thinks I'm a dick anyway. And a bit <laughs> rubbish. And he's gonna see me doing this and I'm gonna feel mm. small. And he's gonna grow in stature in front of me behind the desk, the four my blue four mica desk and I'm gonna shrink. And I think he's, I don't know him. I don't know why I was assuming this, my own insecurities. And he's going he's gonna to enjoy this. But he went over to the slightly blue corner <laughs> and picked out some racy, mm. some slightly tawdry, racy v VHS <laughs> um, and came over. And as he put it down the desk, then he saw it was me. And it was yeah. like, ah, uh, hi. As he shrinks. How are you? The, Hi, um, I'll just let me just put the code in for this. Oh, you've, beep, boop, boop. you've rented this one before. <laughs> um, yeah, this is a thing like uh, <laughs> Pip will always describe uh, Thou Shalt Always Kill the Just a Band bit as not as the Just a Band. It's, it's like people take that as offensive sometimes when you say Radiohead Just a Band. It's like that's not what we mean. What yeah, we mean yeah. is that Tom York poops. Yeah, <laughs> and, you know, Tom, Tom York's probably had sex once yep. and cried afterwards, <laughs> and it's fine. It's yeah. these are normal human beings who create something above, like yeah. something heavenly, which is fine. It's fine to yeah. you have to put them on a 
both pedestals. The one that you can reach. Of, I can poop just like Tom York. <laughs> I, can, I can poop with on Tom York's yeah, level. Yeah, yeah. This, this, I assume. Yeah. Anyway, he well, might I mean, dance yeah. while he does it. <laughs> <laughs> this is it. I think. Yeah, there you go. So, like, like, you know, if I'm if I'm fortunate enough to interview Kate Bush, on the one hand, you know, it's it's just a person. She's, you know, she's, yeah. she eats cake. She goes to the toilet. You know, she's just ordinary, and I should be able to take the mickey out. I should be able to chat to her in the way I chat to anyone. To the other hand, it's Kate Bush. Mm. So she, you should treat these people with a certain amount of, you know, respect or, or, or love or realise what they've done is important. Mm. But they're also just eating cake. I, I was in a... You've a got to have both those things, I think. ...queue behind PJ Harvey at a oh, festival. Wow. Yeah, just a coffee thing, middle-class festival camp festival you know classy and uh, it was just this weird moment that I had no clue it was PJ Harvey and my girlfriend at the time pale as a sheep just like looking just looking and um, and then she ordered her her coffee and uh, fine and then my girlfriend at the time was like she drinks coffee And it was like, yeah, no, yeah, she probably does. She you probably eats sustenance as well. Like, it's not... But I, I didn't... I, I forget how high we put some people. Like, PJ Harvey, for me, is one of my yeah. favourite artists of all time. She's amazing. But she poops. Yeah, there was... Um, we did an interview <laughs> with Brian Cox. Sean Keeney did an interview with Brian Cox. Mm. And he tells us... The guy from uh, Doreen. Yeah, that's right. And he tells a story of... um, uh, With his band had a roadie and uh, quite a Larry guy and they'd done a gig at the Hammersmith Apollo or something and uh, the roadie was waiting after the gig the roadie was waiting at the bar of the Hammersmith Apollo for a drink and uh, and some guy leaned forward and was like you know oh I'll have a pint and the guy was, and this roadie was like fuck off mate <laughs> I'm in front of you in the fucking queue it was George Harrison and George Harrison turned and just went, no one's told me to fuck off since 1963. And then spent the rest of the evening with them because he was like, great, I, 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 you are... <coughs> a real human being. You're a real human being. Yeah. We are running out of time. I know, I know, I, re- I realise. So we, don't, we don't need to talk about anything else. The only thing I was... We were sort of leading from the menswear thing. It's yeah. just like, you, you had the one thing that is the one thing that most people get. Yeah. And then... Then you walked into XFM, and then that's led to this. And how do you feel about this? That you have had multiple jobs that are some people's dream jobs. Like, how does yeah. does that make you feel? Waking up in the morning, knowing that the, that incredible level of fortune, I suppose. I mean, uh, I am really, really lucky to do it, but I have, I've, it's kind of played for and got. I, I did, you know, I sat in a video store and I wrote album reviews for free. Mm. for select and all these websites for a year writing yeah. for nothing and I was crap and I got slightly better and I got a bit better and eventually people started to give me a couple of quid and it's it's also that's quite it's quite good being kicked out of menswear it's like it's quite good being dumped when you're young and it's quite good being kicked out of a band it's quite good having things taken away from you I think because that's when you have to yeah you have the long dark tea time of the soul and you're like well if I don't do something then nothing is going to happen mm. if I don't make, you know, like making podcasts or, or making shows like we do and, and you do and stuff. You've, the best way of getting something done is to physically kind of just do it. Mm. You like that's we can talk about stuff. All, I have all a, you want, I had but a, what I call the Caroline Sawyer moment, which was a, a girl, couple of week relationship when I was in my teens, 
dumped me, went horribly, it was sad. Yet I know that that relationship is more important than some of the ones that went on for years afterwards because it taught me something about loss. Absolutely. And, you know. Absolutely. I don't, you know, I, um, I'm divorced <clears throat> and although it's not a very good thing, you know. Um, you and Sean finally got divorced. Yeah, yeah, we just, we just couldn't do it. But it was like, it was other like, right, why, what happened there? You know, what blame can be put on my shoulders? And I have to have a really good look at myself. Also, I think it's great for me. It was a really good thing. One, it wasn't, I wasn't supposed to be married to that person at all. But it was a really good process to kind of come out the other side and I'm less of a dick because of it. Mm. Getting chucked out of menswear, I'm less of a dick because of it. Um, you know, my stepdad passed away a few years ago and I, I miss him enormously and a couple of my two of my stepbrothers have died and although I do not ever want that to, I, I, I wish mm -hmm. that hadn't happened but because of those things happening and the kind of people they were once again you're like well okay what's what's important how do how do I feel about my life what have they taught me what are the things that I should carry from those experiences to think about the rest of my life mm. and they're not positive things but I'm less of a dick because of them so ultimately, they are positive things. I guess so, yeah. I but suppose. you don't want them to happen. No. We, I, I, we are a, a accumulation of our experiences, mm. I suppose. And uh, words just failed me then. I, it was actually could have been a good segue to end. end. Let's Go try on. that again. This will be unedited, though, yeah, yeah. so everyone knows my oh, fail fine. failures. Doesn't matter. We're accumulation of our experiences, and... Uh, Thank you for sharing your experiences oh, with us today. Oh, my God. Oh, oh I could taste that. That oh, was amazing. Do you know anyone at Virgin Radio? I reckon <laughs> I could do it. I reckon I could do it. Coming up next, Michael Bublé. No station above. Hey, so what did you think? Good chat, yeah? Good chat. We had laughs and stuff. It was a very, very relaxed situation. And because uh, Matt kindly swung it so we could record it in BBC Six Music, it was a lot less stressful, like not having to worry about dodgy sound. Dodgy sound's gonna be a thing on this podcast now and again. Weirdly, one of my microphones just has just died, even though I haven't used it since recording last week's intro. So yeah, always fun. I'm glad it didn't happen when I got to someone's house. But yeah, it was good. I, I really enjoyed this chat. It was the one uh, so this was really the third one that was recorded. Obviously, Mike Bithell was the fourth one. And it was the one where I thought, I might be all right at this. You know, I might be able to do this. I was keeping myself a bit more on track than I had previously and things. So I definitely enjoyed it a lot. Hopefully, you enjoyed Matt. He's on all the social networks and stuff. You should really go hassle him if you have any questions about meeting Trent Reznor or anything. I should have just made it all about Trent, really. Frickin' love Trent Reznor. Anyway, music this week was me, again. <laughs> I don't know why I say it. Downonsack.bandcamp.com. You can, you can get the music from this week's show. It's very good. It's pay what you want, so do that. Patreon.com forward slash Downonsack if you want to support the podcast. You know, I really don't like the plugging bit, but kind of have to do it in this day and age it's the way it is next week's guest is one of the most creative people i've ever met um makes some wonderful animations on on that there internet but does it for big advertisers and all this as well 
but really, really interesting. Uh, oh my word, Andrea. I know you're gonna listen to this, but if you just text me while recording this. <laughs> Sorry, she's gonna listen to this, so. But I won't tell her that I've mentioned her at the end. So it'll, it'll get all confusing for her. But yeah, next week's guest, animator, just, just really good stuff. Um, uh, I can't wait for you to hear that conversation. But yeah, I better go. I've got this text message to reply to. Thank you all in advance for spreading the good word. And I'll uh, see you next week. Hear you? Talk to you. I'll, I won't see any. Bye. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.